tonight we are continuing uh, the series that we started last week called The Book of James. Uh, really simple sermon series title. You can take a guess what book of the Bible we're studying. The Book of James. Uh, ding, ding, ding. All right, so we are continuing this. Last week we started it off with chapter 1. Right? We started off with chapter 1 and we talked about what does it mean for us as as believers in God to be effective disciples who every day of our life we're, we're living for Christ. We're not just sitting on the sidelines in our faith, right? We, we talked about what it means to be a fair weather Christian, right? Someone who is a Christian in name only, maybe just a Christian when it's comfortable, like, hey, I want to follow God when uh, maybe God's given me those Starbucks gift cards uh, and giving me a lot of blessings, uh, but then when it's time to go to school and it's not so popular anymore to be a Christian, we're peacing out on God, right? That's a fair weather Christian. And so we talked about what that is and why we don't want to live that kind of a faith. And then we flipped the script and we said, hey, here's how we go from this to being an effective disciple for Christ who's living out their faith each and every day. And here's why we should do that. Tonight, we're going to go into the second chapter of the book of James. Uh, it, and James 2 is going to challenge us in a lot of ways. I don't know about you. James 1 challenges me. James 2 challenges me, sometimes even more. But let me ask you a question before we dive into that. Raise your hand uh, if, you, if you like it when someone is fake. Yeah, I don't think so. Right? We don't like it when people are fake, right? Raise your hand if you like it when your friends are honest and genuine and nice and straight up. Yeah. That's all of us, right? We, we like it when, when our friends are honest, right? We don't, like a, we don't like our friend to come up and go, oh, my gosh, I love you. We're besties. And then turn around, and then, like, they're gossiping behind our back, right, and stabbing us in the back. We, we don't like to play around with that, right? We, we like a friend. We like a friend who is what they say they are, right? We, we like a friend that is actually a friend. There's a couple emojis, right? Like when someone's being fake, uh, the emoji that comes to mind for me is like the one rolling its eyes. Like, come on, just like get out of here. Like I'm so over you right now. Like just, I, you're wasting my time. Move on. But here's the thing, right? We live in a culture that is fueled by fakeness. You live in a culture, especially, right, guys, teenagers, y'all are the, the social media generation, you live in a culture, first point right there on your notes, you live in a culture that is fueled by fakeness. You live in a culture that is fueled by fakeness. Think about it. When you pull up Instagram on your phone and you're comparing yourself to that person on the screen, let's just be real. How many filters, maybe four or five filters on that picture, they've gone in and edited it and Photoshopped, like made, them, made themselves look just perfect and right, and you're comparing yourselves to that person. But guess what? When you take the filters and the editing and all that stuff away, what you're looking at, what you're thinking is real is actually fake. Right? Nikki, uh, we were talking about this yesterday in, in our meeting. She gave the example of Kim Kardashian. Right? If you've ever seen Kim Kardashian with makeup and without makeup, it's like two different universes. Like, it's crazy. Like, she doesn't look like the same person. Right? You wouldn't recognize Kim Kardashian in public if she didn't have makeup on, because all you see is the fake, right, the, the edited, if you will, version of herself that she puts out there. So Instagram is like, number one, fakeness all around you. Think about TikTok. You know how many videos on TikTok are fake? A lot. 
a lot. Like, think of, think of all the trick shot videos out there. They're fake, right? All these trick shot, like, you're thinking that they just happen to make this crazy off the wall, behind the back, under the leg, twist three times shot. But let me show you what's actually going on. Check this video out real quick. Like, I don't know if you knew this, but in most of those trick shot videos, the way they make it is there's a guy in a green morph suit, because for whatever reason, whoever made the software decided you can edit the, the green color out. And so, the, yeah, it's like a green screen, right? So the guy in the green morph suit, they just edit him out, and it looks like they made the shot. But really, it's a ping pong ball on a stick, and he's just hitting it off all the things. But guess what? You are led, you are led to believe that that's real. You live in a culture that is fueled by fakeness. Now, let me ask you this, and I don't want you to raise your hand on this. This is just something I want you to think about. Have you ever encountered someone? Have you ever encountered someone that you would describe as a fake Christian? I just want you to think about it. I don't want you to answer it. I don't want you to look at your sister or look at your neighbor. I just want you to think about that. Have you ever met someone that you would describe as a fake Christian? Now, let me throw this question in there, too. Would people describe you as a fake Christian? That one's, that one's tough. Because I'm sure that we could come up with four or five people that we might say are fake Christians. But if we're being honest, sometimes I think we struggle with this ourselves. Right? This fake Christian, right, would would be someone who claims someone who claims to believe in Christ but doesn't act like a true disciple. Right? Like they're saying, hey, I love Jesus. I go to church. I'm a Christian. But then they're doing things like cheating. They're lying. They're, they're gossiping. They're, they're talking behind people's backs. They're rude. Right? The, the, the list of, of characteristics could go on and on and on and on. But at the end of the day... Is someone who claims to be a Christian, but their actions tell a different story. And there's a, there's a big problem with this, guys. And here's the problem. The problem is that fake Christians misportray the gospel. The problem is that fake Christians misportray the gospel. Now, let's be honest, right? We are all people who are guilty at times of being fake, quote-unquote, Christians. Right? I think about my own life, right? If I were to, to think back on my life, right, I could think back to when I was in college, when I was in high school, and when I was in middle school. Right? When, I was in, when I was in college, I had a really bad problem with cussing. Right? The, the, you, would, you would be shocked. You would, you would have been shocked at the words coming out of my mouth, guys. It, it, was, not, it was not good. And there was a time where one of my friends looked at me and goes, I would never let my kids be around you because I don't want them to talk like you do. You're a Christian. You, like everyone knew I wanted to be a, a youth pastor one day. She goes, I'd never let my kids go to your youth group if you're talking like that. And that just hit. And I was like, man, like I'm, I'm saying one thing, but I'm doing another thing. 
Right? I think back to when I was in high school. Right? When I was in high school, I went to a Christian private school. Many of you go to, you know, different private schools, public schools. When I was in high school, there was this girl who was super on fire for Jesus. Super on fire for Jesus. Her faith, like looking back, her faith was crazy. And honestly, I think we we're all jealous of it. But because we were jealous, I think, of the faith that she had, guess what we did? My friends and I, we made fun of her for it. At a Christian school, I get this, like at a Christian school, people made fun of someone for worshiping God too much. I was saying I was a Christian, but then I was making fun of someone for being too Christian. Right? You, you see how that's a problem. Right? You, you see how the, me saying one thing and doing another really didn't communicate the right thing. Right? I think back to when I was in middle school, I had a really bad problem with lying to my parents. Right? I, I would tell my parents one thing and do another thing. Or they would ask something and I would just tell them what I wanted them to hear. I claimed to be a Christian, but my actions told a different story. And I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that struggles with this. Or maybe, just maybe, this is something that you struggle with too. And I think if we're truly being honest with ourselves, this is something that we all actually struggle with. I don't think I'm alone in this. So tonight, let's look at James chapter 2. We're going to start out uh, in verses 14 through 20. It'll be on the screens for you to follow along. It's also there on your notes. James chapter 2 starting in verses 14 through 20. Listen to what it says. Catch this. James says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't go give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Circle those words, dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds. I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Man, I don't know about you, but that that's kind of hard to swallow sometimes. That my faith, if my faith is not producing good deeds, James says it's as good as garbage. It's useless. It's ineffective. It's ineffective. Right? It, it, let's think of it this way. If you're on a team, right? Sing like you're playing baseball, you have a, a glove. What good is that glove or what good is that bat if you don't actually use it? Right? What, what good is your phone if you're supposed to call your parents or call your friends or text them or snap them if you don't actually do it? And James is saying here, what good is your faith if you don't actually live it out? See, our, our faith is, is proven by our actions. 
Another way we could say it is our actions show our true beliefs. Our actions, your actions, my actions, they show what we truly believe. Guys, you can tell what I believe by the way that I act, by the way that I treat other people. Guys, guess what? I can tell. Nikki can tell. Your parents can tell. Your friends can tell. What you believe and who you believe in based on how you act. Okay, y'all, I don't have to remind you of this for you to know the saying that all of you know, actions speak louder than what? Words. Words. You can say you're a Christian, but what do your actions say? So, so we have this spot that we're in. We can, we can either say we're a Christian and live for the world and live completely opposite of Christ, or we can go from being a fake Christian to, to someone who has a genuine faith. So let's talk for, for a little bit here about how we go from being a fake Christian someone who just claims to be a Christian, to someone who has a genuine faith and lives that out. I'm going to give you a little bit of an equation, okay? It's there on your sheet. We're just going to fill in the blanks. It's super easy for you to remember. The first thing that you have to have to have genuine faith is belief. It starts here. It starts with what you believe, right? Our, Our actions show what we believe. So before we can act a certain way, we have to know what we believe, right? And and I think to to have genuine faith, we have to believe things like, hey, I'm a sinner. We have to believe things like, I'm a sinner. Because I would argue that if we don't believe that we are sinners, that we're not going to realize that the way we are living is wrong. You're not going to realize that lying and stealing and uh, gossiping All those different things are wrong if we don't first realize that we're a sinner, right? We're not going to need the next thing to believe that Jesus is our Savior, right? If, If we don't believe that we're sinning, we don't realize that we need to be saved. And guys, guess what? We are all sinners. We are all sinners in need of a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus. And so we have to believe that Jesus is our Savior. And if I don't believe that Jesus is my Savior, then chances are that I don't realize my sin. Chances are I don't realize my sin, and I probably think that I'm God of my own life, that I'm, I'm in charge, that I'm the most important person in my life. But if I realize that, that Jesus is my Savior, that puts me under his authority. Right, next thing is, is that we have to realize and believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. And if we don't believe this, then we don't believe in things like eternal life in heaven. And, and you may go, okay, well, why does that matter? Well, if we, if we don't believe in eternal life, then that means all we care about, all we're living for is the here and the now. But as believers, as Christians who believe that Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death so that we could have eternal life, we're living for something beyond the earth, beyond the right now. We're living for eternal life. I'm not living for the moment. My decisions have eternal consequences. It doesn't just affect right now. It affects my eternity. 
And the, the final thing that I would say, one of the things that we have to believe is that God is our creator. God created you. God gave you identity. God gave you a purpose. And if we don't believe this, I would argue that we don't see a need to recognize God's authority in our life. Again, it goes back to, I think, that what I say goes. And, and this is just the start to the things as Christians that we believe. But the point is, right, the, the point of all this is that our beliefs determine our response. What I believe determines how I respond. If I believe that eggs are going to give me food poisoning, what am I probably going to avoid eating? Eggs. eggs. If, if I thought this table would burn my hand, would I touch it? Yes. No. 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 See, the, the things that you believe, right? Let me ask you, hold on. Let me ask you this. When your parents see a cop when they're driving, what do they do? Slow they slow down, right? Because what do they believe? <coughs> Unless you're Nikki, you speed up. Be, because here's the thing, right? Like, hey, I believe it too. If I fly past a cop, guess what I'm going to see in my rearview mirror? And guess what I'm going to get? A ticket. A ticket. I'm going to get a ticket. Because guess what? What I believe determines how I'm going to respond. And so what I believe about Jesus and who I believe in determines how I live my life. If you just believe in yourself and believe in the world and you just, you're living your life the way you want to, guess what? You're going to live into that. You're going to be selfish. You're going to gossip. You're going to lie because you're all about yourself. But if you're living for Jesus, your actions are going to change because now you're living for someone greater than you. Second thing that we have to have in order to have genuine faith is action. Belief plus action. Now remember, remember what we just said, that our actions show our true beliefs. Let's look back at the scripture. James chapter 2. We're going to go to verses 1 through 9. They're on your notes and on the screen as well. Verses 1 through 9. Here's what it says. This letter is from James, a slave of God. Oh, nope, that's chapter 1. Sorry. Whoopsie. All right, chapter 2. All right, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? Catch this. If you favor some people over others. Do you ever catch people showing favorites? Your teachers ever show favorites? Yeah. I'm just kidding. Look, let me, let me tell you something. I, we've got, look, you can ask them later. We've got three teachers in the room tonight. They don't show favorites. They just like the people that are nice back to them. That's all I'm saying. Just be nice to your teachers. All right, here's what it says, verse 2. For example, suppose someone comes in into your meeting, dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. And another person comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor person, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor? in this world to be rich in faith. Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? That's, hey guys, make a note right there. Write Matthew 6. 
That's where that comes from. James is talking about Matthew 6 right there, the Beatitudes, where he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He keeps going. He says, but you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Now, I want you to look back up at that first passage of scripture. I just want to read these two verses, 15 and 16, to you again. He says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Guys, what, what Jesus always did and what James is telling us to do here is to meet the need. Meet the need. That is what James is saying right here, is that as believers in Christ, the actions that we should be living out in our lives is to meet the needs of other people. Not to meet the needs of ourselves, but to meet the needs of the person sitting next to you. That means your brother, your sister, your friends. I know, I see Regan looking at her brother right here. Regan looking at her brother going, I don't know if I want to meet your needs. <laughs> but guys, let, let's, just, let's just look back at the life of Jesus real quick. Right, Jesus did all sorts of miracles where he met people's needs. Right? He healed the blind. He, he healed those who couldn't walk. He healed those who were sick. What does he do after he heals them? He says, hey, now come follow me. Hey, here's the gospel. You never see Jesus go up to someone and say, hey, here's the Bible. Hey, here's Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus real quick. Jesus loves you. He says, hey, let me, let me meet your need first. Let me meet your need first. You know, I uh, keep hearing over and over and over again that it's cold in here tonight. Uh, to, to, to be honest, it's a crisp, crisp 55 degrees in here. But let me ask you this. Does it do any good for you, the fact that you're cold, if I don't turn the heat up? No, you, you're still cold. Hey, if I come to you and I say, hey, Jesus loves you. I get that you're cold. Jesus loves you. Eh, good luck. And I don't do anything. That doesn't, guys, listen, it doesn't change the fact that you're cold. That is what James is saying here. He says, for us to share the love of Jesus, that means meeting someone's need first. And as, as Christians, as disciples, we want to live like Jesus. And so what does that look like for you tomorrow at school? To, to, to not just say, hey, Jesus loves you, but to show the love of Christ to other people. But to show the love of Christ by meeting someone's need. Guys, it's crazy when you meet someone's need and they look at you like, why are you helping me? And then you have that opening, that, that door opens for you to, to then be able to say, hey, I, I care about you. Because Jesus loved you first. Because Jesus loved you first. Yeah, guys, uh, there's a moment in my life about probably four years ago that haunts me still to this day. I was leaving Winn-Dixie. Y'all don't know what Winn-Dixie is. It's a southern grocery store. You've probably never seen a Winn-Dixie in your life. It's, it's, it's better than King Supers. That's all I'm going to say. 
It is. Also, King Supers is called Kroger in the South. Just saying. That's why you see Kroger all over King Supers. Yep. Uh, so I'm, I'm pulling out of Winn-Dixie, the store. We had a youth event, a guy's camping trip that I had just gone and bought all sorts of food. We're talking like $400 worth of food for the weekend. Like, we're talking steaks, chips, potatoes. Like, it was nuts. I have all this food in my car. And I am driving out, and there's this lady sitting there that just has a sign that says, I'm hungry and need food. And I'm like, I'm 15 minutes late. Uh, I got to get to the church. I got to start setting up. I'm running late on my schedule to my setup schedule. Like, there's no kids there. There's no parents. No one's there. It's just going to be me at the church getting ready. But I had a schedule. It was my schedule. And I was like, "Mm, can't be late on my schedule. And so I kept driving. And it was like I could hear God telling me, hey, she's hungry. Turn around and go feed her. Like, you, hey, you know, like you get that feeling in your stomach of like, hey, like you should probably help that person. I kept driving. And that feeling just like wouldn't go, hey, turn around, turn around. Go help this person. And then I turned a corner and that feeling of, hey, go help this person turned into the words, I was hungry and you did not feed me. And those were words that Jesus was speaking in the Gospels where he says, I was hungry and you did not give me food. Right? It's great and all that you know the word. It's great to have good intentions, but if the actions don't match your faith, guys, your faith is dead. Your faith is useless. You can believe in God, but how are you treating other people? The, the point is not for us to keep our faith to ourselves. The command that Jesus gives us is to go and make disciples, and you can only do that if you live out your faith. You have to. To live it out. And what we know is that our actions show our true faith. Shows our true faith. And then when we mix belief with action, when we pair the two together, right, you can act but not believe, and that's not going to get you anywhere because you got to believe in God. But you can believe in God and get nowhere too because you're not acting. You have to believe in God and then you have to act for God. And that's what it looks like to have genuine faith. And guys, there's a secret here to knowing if you have genuine faith, and it's called transformation. When something is transformed, it's changed. If you want to know if you have genuine faith in Jesus Christ, be honest with yourself. Does your life look different now that you believe in Jesus, or does it look the same as before you believed in Jesus? If it looks different, I would say you have genuine faith. If it looks the same, I would maybe argue that you've not let Jesus transform your life. And maybe you're in the spot tonight where you're like, hey, I've never made the decision to follow Christ. Hey, tonight's a great place to start. And if, if that's you, if you're like, hey, it's my night, it's my turn to, to say, hey, I want to believe in Jesus. Come talk to me. Come talk to Nikki. Talk to your small group leaders. Guys, a great way for you. If you've never done this before, to actually turn belief into action is to get baptized, to go public with your faith, to take Jesus from being the side chick in your life to being the person who is front and center, to the person who has a full relationship with you. And so if that's you, if you're like, hey, it's time for me to start acting on my faith and I want to get baptized and I've not done that before, come talk to us. Put it on your Connect card. We'd love to talk to you. Guys. We love you, but we want you to live lives of genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this night.
and the time that you've given us to spend together. Lord, I pray for these students, Lord, that you would challenge them and speak to them. Lord, that you would challenge them to, to, to put action behind their words or to live out their faith. Lord, I pray that each student in here, each student in here, when they go to school tomorrow, or that people would be able to know who they believe in based on how they're acting. And so, God, I just ask that you would give these students the courage, the boldness to say, hey, I'm going to live, believe, and act for Christ. Lord, I thank you. pray that you would speak to these students tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.